Thursday, October 6th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager, from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tim Hansen, along with Market Foolery producer, Matt Greer. Guys, thanks for being here. Morning. Hey, Chris. Guys, we are here, uh, as so many others uh, have done in the past uh, 24 hours. We're here to pay tribute to Steve Jobs, um, someone with a business legacy that is, uh, I'm going to say, unmatched in our lifetimes. Uh, I'll start with just expressing our condolences uh, to his family, his friends, uh, and all of the people at Apple and Pixar. Um, we've got tributes pouring in from around the world, uh, people like President Obama, Bill Gates. Um, let's just go around the table real quick. Um, Joe, I'll start with you. When you think about his legacy, what comes to mind? Uh, so many things. I mean, he's basically the driving force behind the way we consume content today. So video, uh, email, the way that you know we now have touchscreens on what we use and consume. Um, graphical user interface, you can credit him for that. I mean, prior to that, computers were pretty uh, dossy, so to speak. And everything that you know and love about computers is and technology is effectively some sort of offshoot of his vision for simple easy-to-use interface. Tim? You know, I think the thing that's so special about, about Steve Jobs is there are a lot of people who are good at one thing. You know, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of tech innovators out there who can design or, you know, engineer an interesting product. But Steve Jobs, what made him so unique was that he brought together design talent with innovation and technology talent with what I think is, is really overlooked about him. He was just an incredible salesman, marketer, you know, almost mm. in the, the P.T. Barnum type mold. And that's that's a high compliment for people who don't know about the life of P.T. Barnum, just another incredible entrepreneur. And people who combine all of those traits in one are so rare. Um, you know, people say, you know, the Renaissance man doesn't exist anymore, but it's it's people like Steve Jobs who bring together so many skills that is the reason why they end up being so successful and so influential uh, in the world of business. And yeah. for so long and over so many different types of technologies. Yeah, um, Tim. When you were talking about his, you know, his salesmanship, um, obviously a lot of great things have been written uh, that are online um, uh, about Steve Jobs and his life. Um, Walt Mossberg, the tech columnist for the Wall Street Journal, has a has a phenomenal column that, uh, that people should read. Um, but one of the things he talks about, and this is a guy whose job it is, is to review technology. But one of the things he pays tribute to is just the way Steve Jobs could sell. Um, you know, the quote from Walt Mossberg is, man, could he sell. Um, Mac, you've uh, had the chance to interview uh, Steve Wozniak, the, the other co-founder of Apple. Um, when you think about Jobs and his legacy, what comes to mind? Well, once again, that, that incredible ability to sell. Um, when I interviewed the Woz a few years ago, Chris, um, he was talking about this first computer, one of the first computers that he had created. It was called the Cream Soda Computer. Okay, so Wozniak is working on this. He has not yet met Steve Jobs. He meets Steve Jobs, and I'm looking at the transcript here, and this is what Wozniak says. He says, I was giving the computer away for free because that's kind of my style. I wanted to help the world get to this new glorious place where people were going to be so improved and made masters of their own lives with computer. So I was giving it away, and Steve said, hey, why don't we sell? <laughs> that's, that's Sometimes insane. it's the simplest yeah. ideas. <laughs> Pareto principle, so, ninety yeah. ten. So I think I think that obviously is his part of his genius, but I also think just that ability to anticipate what we want before we know that we even want it. I heard Kramer on CNBC this morning, and he put it very very eloquently. He said, "Steve Jobs was a superhero, and he had the ability to look around corners." You know, I think in terms of his marketing, a lot of it is just showmanship, but a lot of it 
comes from the root of his just being so passionate about what he's presenting to you and really believing that his products were changing the world and the way we would interact. And it's true, and they were. And I think a lot of that just came from, like, a real place. Well, and and one of the things uh, I've read is, you know, people um, talking about his ability, when it comes to designing things, to leave things out, to just, you know, the, the temptation... Uh, for a lot of people in the tech world is to just see... Well, how- not just the tech world. You know, every, everywhere, the hardest thing to do in anything is to self-edit. And, and in order to do so in, in, a, in a way that's effective is, is to have just, you know, a very high level of confidence. And, and you know, Steve Jobs got a, a bad rap sometimes for being egotistical, but it's only when you believe in, in sort of the incredible thing you're putting out that you're able to start taking things away because you're not trying to impress anybody anymore because you know that what you're putting out there is is, is top-notch. One of the things that I think is um, easy for people to forget about Steve Jobs' career, uh, particularly younger people, is that um, you know it, it's easy to look back at the last decade and be like, "Wow, you know, the iPod, the the iPhone, the iPad, just all of these successful endeavors." But this is a guy who was kicked out of the company that he co-founded. He was kicked out of Apple. Um, a, a decade later, they basically begged him to come back uh, and try and save the company. Um, and this is a guy who uh, kept Pixar afloat for years and sort of, you know, it, it's one thing to bring a company back uh, from the brink of disaster. This guy did it with two companies. Yeah, and you can see how Jobs matured in terms of his business thinking over time, too, like on product rollouts. Like back in the day, Apple products were wildly overpriced and no one could afford them. Um, these days, you look at the iPad, and we've talked about this, uh, Tim and I, but they are very competitively priced. And there's a reason that they dominate the tablet space, and it's because nobody can come in and compete with them at this level. Now, of course, Amazon's coming in with a low-priced offering, but it's definitely you know inferior. I'm sure Steve Jobs would say it was definitely an inferior product in terms of experience and design. Uh, but yeah, and I think over time, you've seen them get more aggressive on pricing, and that when they combine that with a superior product and an operating system that's drawn critical mass from developers, that you know, they learned from those early mistakes, and now they're building more durable franchises. Mac? And, and I think it's fair to point out that, that Jobs, even with the iPad, was still taking chances. I know on the right. radio show, I remember James Early, Motley Fool analyst James Early, talking about, I think he characterized the iPad as the El Camino of yeah. computers yeah. when it came out. And you're like, you know what? In hindsight, if that was an El Camino, that was one hell of an El Camino. <laughs> um, in terms of where Apple goes from here, um, I heard one analyst on the radio this morning um, saying that he thinks Apple as a company is set for the next 10 to 15 years in terms of the products that they have, uh, in terms of their ability to continue um, succeeding uh, in a profitable way. Uh, Tim? You know, I'm skeptical of that just because, you know, at the end of the day, for a company like Apple, you have to, you know, there, there are two things the number of things you sell and the price at which you sell them. Mm. And I think in terms of the iPad and the iPhone, they're going to sell a lot of those for a long time. They're popular products. Um, they're, they're, they're products people love to use. But the question is, what, what price are they going to sell them at? Um, Joe mentioned earlier that, that Amazon is coming out with a, a dramatically lower-priced tablet. Obviously, it doesn't have all the same technical specifications as the iPad, but how many people in the world need all those technical specifications? You know, The price of a laptop has come down 10% annually over the past 10 years. There's still three thousand dollar laptops out there, but right. they're used by, you know, supercomputing gamers and that sort of thing. Um, the same thing is, is is at risk in the tablet space. And in order for Apple to keep its selling prices so high, they need a visionary to keep innovating 
products that people want to pay a premium for. That's where I think it's going to get tricky for the company. You know, a lot of people have said jobs, well, yeah, he's still going to be chairman. You know, unfortunately, he's not going to be chairman anymore. His input is, is gone. And it's unclear to me if they can continue to, you know, put forth so many great products that people are willing to pay a premium for. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a little naive to assume that Apple will be able to keep playing at this level for 10 to 15 years without Jobs. Realistically, he's the ultimate visionary of our time, right? And he's gone. And this is a business where product cycles are getting faster. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you look at the amount of buzz that came out around the iPhone 4S. I mean, how much did people talk about that? And it was just one iteration of a phone. And they're going to be rolling out one of those probably annually every year going forward, and it just speaks to the amount of pressure around product releases. Yeah, Joe and I were talking about this before the show, and I was trying to, we're debating who's the closest parallel. Is it Sam Walton or is it Walt Disney? And for me, it's, it's more Walt Disney because what Steve Jobs is doing on a very fundamental level is he's creating. Mm-hmm. And so now that he's gone, I guess the question is, to what extent does that creativity and that perfection continue? Um, obviously, they've got Jonathan Ive. They've got this pretty deep bench, it sounds like. Sure, yeah. But, well, and you, but you, how do you replace that? Well, and that was on display at the press conference earlier this week with the rollout of the, of the new version of the iPhone that, uh, you know, the, one of the questions going into the press conference was, Tim Cook, the new CEO, how's he going to do? And I think very smartly, um, he, he took a team approach and you had several different people at, at different stages uh, of the press conference who were on display there. Um, but to the extent that they can have that, uh, you know, that, that visionary, that Jonathan Ives, I don't think, it, it, you know, Tim Cook is an operating guy and it's probably not going to be his vision per se, but they kind of do need that. I was going to say, companies struggle in transition. You know, I actually, to go back to Mac's uh, analogy or comparison, I actually wouldn't undersell, you know, Sam Walton, another showman, another P.T. Barnum-type yeah. character. He made shopping an event, fun, you know, yeah. the way Walmart launches with these huge end cap, you know, buy detergent for a penny yep. and then yep. come in and buy everything else. I mean, that was a totally innovative approach to retailing. And when he passed away, you know, to be frank, Walmart isn't a fun place to shop anymore, is it? You know? The new Walmarts are pretty Well, nice. they're trying to bring some of yeah. it back now. I've got to stand up for Walmart here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, companies, when you've got a visionary person who, who evangelizes for what they're doing and puts so many people in line behind them, yep. I, that's so hard to replicate. And when a company succeeds because of that, you know, it's Apple is not going bankrupt. It's not going out of business. But a few years of turmoil or stagnation, I think, are only fair to expect. And frankly, Tim Cook is in, I think, a very hard position because people do expect so much from Apple and so much greatness that if there's any sort of stumbling, um, well, he, he has a nice pay package. So yeah. if there is any sort of stumbling, he'll be okay financially, yeah. but his reputation may take a hit. Yeah, and I think Walmart is a great comp for this. So you look at, relatively speaking, the Walmart playbook is pretty simple. The Sam Walton one, keep prices low, keep customers engaged, make it an experience, uh, aggressively focused on low cost throughout the entire chain. The playbook at Apple is so much more infinitely complicated Mm -hmm. for Tim Cook to keep following and succeeding in that level. And I think that if Apple, or I'm sorry, if Walmart wasn't able to keep following a relatively straightforward game plan, you know, it's going to be all that much more difficult for the guys at Apple to keep playing. Uh, As I said, there have been a lot of uh, great things written uh, online about Steve Jobs and his career. Um, We actually um, have a collection of articles uh, uh, on fool.com for um, anyone who wants to check those out. Um, But let's just wrap up with, you know, uh, whether it's an article, uh, a commentary, uh, a video, something like that. If there's one thing 
um, you would encourage people to read or, or watch uh, about Steve Jobs. Tim, what would you recommend? I think the easy one is the Stanford commencement speech, yeah. but yeah. I will say I, I had never read this before because I was not reading Playboy in 1985. <laughs> um, but the 1985 interview— They have great articles. The, I was going to say the 1985 interview with Steve Jobs and Playboy is fascinating, interesting, and it's just so funny to read something that now is, what, 25 years old yeah. and, and see where it went. I, I love doing stuff like that, and uh, you know, provided it's not blocked on your computer. The 85 Playboy interview is, 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 is gold. Mac? There's an appearance that he did a few years ago with Bill Gates, and it's on video. And at, a, uh, at a tech conference. At a tech right? conference, and it's just wonderful. I mean, if you just you know, type it into YouTube, I'm sure you can find it. But basically, these lifelong rivals and competitors with tremendous respect for each other yeah. and acknowledging each other's strengths and weaknesses. And um, it, really, it really made me look at Steve Jobs in a new light. But back to what Tim's saying, I would start – I mean, the, the commencement speech, I made my wife – watch it last night when I heard that Steve Jobs had died. And, it, and it's pretty unbelievable, the perspective. 2005, right? 2005 at Stanford University Stanford. and just his perspective. And I got to say, as, as someone who is 46 now, 56 just seems just very, very young, entire, young. entirely too young. Joe Mager? Yeah, what they said. I'll just add, there's also a clip going around on YouTube right now of that old commercial, uh, Here's to the Crazy Ones. Do you remember that? It's an Apple commercial where they kind of feature people who aren't afraid to break the rules and rethink the way that we approach society uh, and originally it was read by Richard Dreyfus, mm-hmm. but on this one that was never aired it's read by Steve Jobs I don't know it's floating around kind of moving uh, I will just uh, add my two cents and that is a documentary film called the Pixar story um, which um, you know it, it, it is very appropriate that uh, the coverage of Steve Jobs focuses on his career at Apple and the impact he's had there but uh, I can, t- as someone who has watched a lot of Pixar movies with my kids, um, I just continue to be amazed at um, the creativity behind that company, and once again, how close it was to just um, no longer existing due to financial pressures. Um, he bought it from George Lucas for ten million dollars. He sold it to Disney for nearly seven and a half billion. Um, it's a great documentary. Joe Mager, Matt Greer, Tim Hanson. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Be sure to check out The Motley Fool Money Radio Show this weekend. Our guest is Pulitzer Prize-winning author and energy expert Daniel Jurgen. That's Motley Fool Money on iTunes, online, and on radio stations across America. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Oh,